The machines are coming for us. All that and more on this tech edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly here with the one and only Nathan Hamilton. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. We're going to talk some robots, artificial intelligence, good topics. And uh, this isn't our first time talking about it, but it is not. You know, th what that means for our listeners is we really like talking about this and we think it's important for the future. We like uh, to speculate on what artificial intelligence will be. Did, you didn't watch The Terminator last night, did you? Is that why we're doing this? <laughs> no, I did not. Which I'm, one did I'm you watch? I'm just interested in tech. Was it Judgment Day? No. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, if you're just joining us, we are joining you from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, before we dive into the reality of artificial intelligence today and uh, what the one and only Elon Musk has to say about that, uh, we have a little bit of trivia to share with everybody that we like to start the show off with. Nathan? Yeah, I know we're uh, running trivia on some of our, our recent podcasts here, but I figure this is a good segue into our topic. So our trivia question of the day is, um, you know, you've likely heard of computer engineers saying, debugging a program or a system. How was this term originated? I am totally going to get this wrong. Yep. So we have three <laughs> options. A, a moth was stuck in the relay of an early computer and an impeded operation. B, Thomas Edison coined the term referring to a technical error back in the 1800s. Or C, both. So one of my little tricks for taking tests in high school was if one of the options in a multi-choice you know, question is uh, uh, both. You you pick that, so I'm going to go with C. Both. You're correct. Darn right. Yeah, and and this, this is why this is why I passed high school. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the ACDC down the list. Right. Sort of yeah. Thing. No, yeah. it's uh, no. If you're given the option, you got to go with that. Uh, so give me the history yeah. here. So it's actually um, there's a little bit of conflict as to who really coined the term, but um, some actually pointed back to Thomas Edison, where it was in relation to aeronautics. Um, he was referring to a technical error and just called it a bug. And what happened in you know the mid-1900s, um, when computers were being developed, a moth actually fell into this huge computer system. And the relays back then, you know the transistors and so forth, they were exposed. So a moth fell into it, impeded the operation, and they took the bug out, and for, forever then, it became debugging the system. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, so is it possible that uh, if and when AI takes over, we could just drop a moth in something and then we'll be good is that is that a fail safe i think we're more technologically advanced now than we were back in uh the 50s darn oh yep. well okay so uh just give a little bit more background here what is the ai reality today we hear all these stories about stephen hawking and elon musk i mean elon musk actually said oh yeah it could be like awakening the demon referring to like armageddon sure. and satan or something um and you know, Bill Gates came out and said this could be bad. I don't know why more people aren't concerned about this. What's sure. going on today? You know, I think um, you just have to look at it. How much of a reality is artificial intelligence at this point? And if you look at how a human brain works and how it functions and what sort of emotions or social context there is to it, um, you know, we're not at the point where it would be okay. Artificial intelligence is a reality today because you have to look at it. Computers can do incredibly complex tasks. I mean, we use them every day, big data crunching, all this, providing us insights that we never, that we couldn't have even had five years ago or 10 years ago, decades ago. But with all these complex tasks, it can't even do the most simple things that an infant could do. You know, for example, you're sitting in a chair right now. If I were sitting on the floor and I asked a computer to tell us what we have in common, it could never come up with the answer being both of us are sitting but a two-year-old could likely do that. 
So really, when you, when you look at what artificial intelligence is, it's not at the level where you know they say computers become evil or they're thinking for themselves or they're creating intelligence. I can't do that, Nathan. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's not at that point yet. And you know where it will be in the future. Sure, can speculate. And Elon Musk, I can't remember the exact date or if he had mentioned the date, but I remember a few months back on Twitter, he came back and said, "Okay." AI could be evil, and I'm concerned about it. And he's actually donated money to certain foundations to ensure that to ensure that it takes the right path. Well, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, his uh, former business partner in PayPal, uh, Peter Thiel, he's a big tech investor. He's actually possibly one of the most successful Silicon Valley investors out there. Uh, he's a billionaire doing this. But uh, he said he actually took a stake in an AI company. Like it wasn't a huge thing. It was like. Ten or ten million dollars, or something. But he just wanted to know what was going on. Like yeah. that's why he did it. So <laughs> I mean, it's interesting stuff. And you know, taking stakes in companies, Google is pretty much the preeminent sort of um, AI investor. I guess could say they've acquired a bunch of different robotics companies. Is Google so AI? Or is it like a crude something? I'm talking about the search engine. Like, yeah. Well, there, there's predictive technologies, and you have to look at why it makes sense for Google to acquire all these. You know, really, when it comes down to it, it's sort of algorithm-driven or data analytics sort of companies, the better they can come, or the more data they can get, and the better they can use that data or leverage the data to be more predictive in what we're searching for, the more utility the search engine has. Is AI today like odds-based? You um, know what I mean. In terms of weighting a decision, yeah, like a, and this kind of leads to where AI is popping up today with like hedge funds and yep. you know Bridgewater Associates and everything. But if you know that the odds on you know every Tuesday of Google going up a fraction of a percent are is fifty five percent just because of history and just solar flares or whatever, yeah, um, there there is it just odds based then? You know, it's probably there probably is some sort of. Um, you know, odds-based relationship in the actual algorithms. Um, but I'm sure there's far more, I guess, complex statistical analysis. I can't imagine, like Bridgewater, you mentioned them. Um, yeah, they're they, in the news. Why did they hire those guys? Yeah, I, well, it, they're not the first hedge fund to do so. This has been a, a trend that's been happening for, for decades. But um, Bridgewater, the largest hedge fund by assets under management, recently made some news because they hired the engineers or some engineers from IBM that created the Watson um the Watson system, which we know beat the guy on Jeopardy, big deal in terms of uh, what people think could eventually be artificial intelligence. Um, but yeah, you have to look at it. They're hedge funds. It makes sense for them to hire some of these people. If you look at finance as a whole, um, you know, it is very quantitatively driven. Um, or it lends itself well to being quantitative. I don't know driven. if they're trying to give uh, Renaissance Technologies a run for their money. That company's crazy to yeah. me. They've got you know, like 90 PhDs on staff, and that's exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> they, they hire engineers and PhDs, not finance professionals. They're not going to take you because you went to Harvard and got an MBA. They're going to take the guys from MIT. And if you look at the founders of Renaissance, they're actually former IBM guys as well. Right. So, jeez. Um, yeah. But there's other, I mean, there's other places that, artificial intelligence is popping up. You know, we mentioned Google. Um, predictive capabilities help them target better ads. Driverless cars helps them determine a rationale for, say you're in a driverless car and um, a squirrel hops in, in the middle of the road and a baby hops in the middle of the road. How do you determine in that scenario, how does a computer determine, okay, maybe I should go forward for the squirrel and if there's a baby, I should steer out of the way. I mean, these are these are rational decisions that have to be made by computers. How do you program that into a computer? 
very that, carefully. Exactly. That's something to be <laughs> determined in the future and very much a, a question mark. But, you know, Google actually, they, they made news recently as well because um, one of their companies, DeepMind Technologies, I believe it is. They have a stake in it or is it just Yeah, they, they, well, they acquired the company. Okay. And um, essentially the company created artificial intelligence for a video game that can beat any human in terms of, I think it was a, some Atari game. It cannot beat me at GoldenEye on N64. <laughs> yeah. I promise you. <laughs> but I'm sure it can eventually. <laughs> but it, it's really interesting. I mean, some of the some of the ways that these companies are investing, um, Google obviously the big one in there. But, you know, it sort of gets at a, um, a bigger trend in tech where we look at, and, and this has been going on for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, software is essentially eating the world. And, and some people that follow tech have probably heard this before, but look back to email, pretty much making the postal service worthless. You look at Uber more recently. At least for letters. Yeah. You look at Uber more recently, their software platform is getting rid of or becoming you know, very significant competition for taxis and at a lower cost. Um, well, I notice I, I'm pretty darn I don't know. Does Uber tell drivers where to hang out? I think they drive around wherever they want, but I'm sure the drivers have some sort of insights. Because I just notice every time I'm in, I mean, we live in the metro DC area, so the odds of picking somebody up are pretty good anywhere, but wherever, it's pretty much a car is three, four minutes away all the time. And I'm just like, yeah. why is this always happening? <laughs> yeah. And if you, this is kind of getting off topic, but a lot of people complain about their, um, their surge pricing. The, the purpose of surge pricing, you can see the intent where it was there. And it's actually to bring more drivers on the road. Incent- essentially, it's an incentive to the drivers. They're going to get a higher rate right. at more busy times. Sometimes it goes south. Like This in, is uh, Economics 101, people. Exactly. <laughs> you flash money in front of people, they'll, they'll, do, they'll do work for you. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I was. Um, before we move on here, I just wanted to share. Um, it's really funny that we're talking about this. I was reading an article yesterday that Elon Musk tweeted about, and he mm-hmm. just said, it's a great arc about AI. It's a little bit long, but it's very cool and you know possibly funny. But it wasn't so much that they're worried about um, – you know, Skynet taking over and making a Terminator and then, you know, sending back a Terminator back in time to destroy the leader <laughs> of the revolution or anything like that. It's such that once something becomes artificially intelligent, it can ex- exponentially increase its intelligence beyond what a human can do. Not only will it be beyond us and we won't be able to predict it, but it will probably have a job. And the, uh, uh, the robot with artificial intelligence in this, you know, article that just was posited was... Uh, it was a robot with a hand that was designed to write cards for a greeting card company. And it was like, we love our customers, da 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 Eventually, in order to complete that task and do it the best it possibly could, humans were an impediment. We use resources on planet Earth, and it needs to make more of these robotic hands to keep writing cards. Sure. And it eventually just takes over the solar system to do this. And it made the earth into solar cells to keep powering it to write these stupid cards and that's the end of the universe and so they're going to rewrite terminator into yes. a, a card writing sort yeah, of base plot it, it's not skynet it's hallmark no she's <laughs> <laughs> very cool well uh moving on to other elon musk news i think we probably should have called this elon musk day not uh ai day but anyway what's yeah, going on <laughs> they're intertwined but um you know there was news recently as well on hyperloop becoming a reality and for, Would you ride this? I don't know. It looks pretty cool. 800 miles per hour in a I, tube. I agree. Yeah. yeah. For um for some of the, the listeners that aren't familiar with it, 
Hyperloop is essentially his grand idea that he proposed back in, I believe it's 2013. Everybody laughed then, by the yeah. way. And uh, essentially, it's a um, an above-ground, tube-based transportation system. The, the closest I can come to in terms of visualizing it is, you know when you're at the drive-thru at a bank and you put the yeah. canister in you're there? You're putting humans Boom. in the canister. That's exactly what the Hyperloop yeah. is. But um, the... The end goal is to transport individuals at the, at up to 800 miles per hour, and it's a great. I don't know idea. if I would scream or just read a magazine. Like I don't know which. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? And, and here's how Hyperloop is becoming more of a reality, and, and why it matters for what you just mentioned there. Um, they're building a five-mile test track in Texas. Yes. And what they're going to be doing are testing the logistics of it. You know, how do we design the pods? How do we design the seats? Um, how do you actually get people on board? What's the experience actually like? And you have to think about it at 800 miles per hour. It could be, a, I guess, a I just did the math. A ride on that track would take about 37 and a half seconds. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the caveat as part I'm of like, the test. What? A five-mile track is not enough to get up to 800 miles per hour, so they're not, they're not going to be it, testing it that It sounds good until you have to stop. Yeah, and that's more, um, they're not testing the speed, it's more the logistics of okay. it. Um, the practical aspects of how do we actually make this a, uh, a full-fledged transportation practical system. technology, yeah. Yep. The, I also wonder what it would do, because they're talking about doing this in uh, California, but eventually there's going to be an earthquake. I mean, what happens with a vacuumless tube where you're going super fast and when an earthquake shifts that tube a couple of inches like mm-hmm. all i'm saying is we should probably build it in ohio yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if the profit incentive is there in, in oh, come on in ohio. everybody goes from cleveland to cincinnati to uh through columbus but it really is crazy i mean if you if you take into account not i guess to to talk a little bit about uh mr musk but if you take into account what the guy is doing he's trying to make the first mass-produced electric car. He's essentially trying to supplant NASA and make handle, a reusable rocket. Yes, which is actually a big deal, and he's doing well at it yep. so far. Driverless cars, and now he wants to create essentially the new transcontinental railroad. I mean, these and these he made all, it open source because he's too busy. Yeah, and these are all, these are all huge ambitions. So it, it's pretty interesting, uh, you know, for tech and anyone that follows it. I think it'll be. Uh, you know, pretty interesting 20, 30 years going forth. This show is not an endorsement to buy shares in his companies, but uh, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. (laughs) You know, he seems to uh, have some grand ambitions, and with Tesla, at least he's showing some proof that he can get it done, also with PayPal. We should make a road trip to the Gigafactory when it opens. Yeah. Road trip in a Tesla. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, very cool. Well, uh, that's it for us listeners. Before we go, I wanted to make everybody aware of a special offer to industry-focused listeners for a subscription to the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter. Just head over to focus.fool.com to find out more. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stock they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks solely based on what you hear on this program. That's it for us, Fools. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!